Hey folks, welcome back to Patriot to the Core podcast. I am Thad Forrester and this is episode number 33. I really appreciate all of the downloads from across the country. We have almost all 50 states represented, but I want to single out the states of Wyoming, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. If you know somebody in one of these states, uh, please share the podcast with them and maybe encourage them to download at least one daggum episode. I'd love to have all 50 states represented because those are the only three that haven't downloaded anything. Uh, it's all about momentum, though. I'd love to get the podcast more easily found by people who are searching for podcast in our genre. So thank you. Enough about that. Uh, let's move on to Mr. Ron White, brain athlete, memory expert. I first learned about Ron as uh, when I found out about his traveling Afghanistan memory wall. He goes across the country. Uh, remember, uh, think of a big 52-foot wall he puts together, and he's memorized the names of everyone who's been killed in Afghanistan since the war on terror began. So you're talking 2,300 names, 7,000 words. He memorizes their rank, their first and last name, and in the order in which they were killed. So it's it's very impressive. Uh, my sister met him in Charlotte at the NASCAR race this year on Memorial Day weekend. I think that's pretty special for her, and, and I think so for him, too. He's a two-time USA memory champ. Uh, he was the fastest in 2009 to memorize a deck of cards. Uh, so in 2009 and 2010, he um, held that record as a memory champ. Uh, and then he got beat out by some just ridiculous uh, time. I don't know by, by who. He does He does talk about it, though. And, uh, I mean, his record was impressive enough. Uh, you may have seen him on the Super Fox's Superhuman TV show or on uh, National Geographic's Brain Games. Uh, Superhuman, uh, I don't know who all the judges were, but one of them was Mike Tyson, and he does have a regret of not getting a selfie with Mike Tyson, but I don't know how he didn't win that show. Uh, what he, he did everything right. Uh, man, what I saw him do, memorizing all those girls' names and their phone numbers, 10 digits, and something about them was, it kind of blew me away. But anyway, he talks, he discusses how he, how he ended up not winning the, the grand prize on that show. Uh, but he tells us, if you think you can't remember more data, you're wrong. You can you can remember 10 to 20 times more data than you think you can. Uh, he, the guy sells online memory courses, so we have a great time. If you follow him on Facebook, he will keep you entertained. Uh, he posts quite a bit. He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, funny guy. Uh, RonWhiteTraining.com. And uh, so no, this is not the comedian Ron White. This is not Tater Salad. This is RonWhiteTraining.com. Uh, or brainathlete.com. Okay, so I've got Mr. Brain Athlete, memory expert himself, Ron White, with us. Uh, great having you, Ron. No, thank you, man. Uh, we've been talking about this for uh, months and months and months. It seems like years, so I'm finally glad it's happening. <laughs> yeah, are you in the what you call the memory palace right now? Well, I guess you could say that, yeah. I am uh, at home, sitting in my living room in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Okay, so uh, th th I've been looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. And uh, maybe before we get to that, I would like to talk about the recent uh, two consecutive weekends you had um, in Charlotte and then in Dover at the NASCAR races with your memory wall. So would you ex uh, explain the memory wall? I guess there's a you could probably go on and on about it. So however much you want to say about how it got started. And then I'd like to ask you, you know, about any specific experiences while you were at the NASCAR races recently? Well, I, um, uh, first of all, I, uh, uh, 
the way it got started was I actually served in the military. I was in the Navy uh, from 2002 to 2010. I was a reservist, you know, one weekend, weekend a month, two weeks every year. And in 2007, I was deployed to Afghanistan. Uh, I returned to Afghanistan December 2007. And uh, the next couple of years, I started competing in memory tournaments because that had been something I'd been doing my whole life. And I won a couple national USA memory championships. And then in 2011, I was defeated. Um, I came in second place that year. And and then I just began thinking, you know, what's my next step? Do I continue to train for memory tournaments or do I move on to something else? And and during that time, somebody asked me, Ron, how long would it take you to memorize the Vietnam Wall, which the Vietnam Wall is 60,000 names? And I thought about it. I gave my answer. Uh, but it, I knew it just wasn't the right fit for me. And so then I decided to memorize everybody who uh, lost their life in Afghanistan because that was a right fit for me. That's where I served. So the Afghanistan memory wall, what it is, is I spent one year and I memorized all of the fallen in the order of their death. And I travel the United States with the 52 foot long wall. And I write these names out from memory. It's like watching the Vietnam wall get created, but get created from memory. It takes about 10 or 11 hours to write it out. Uh, it's about 2,300 people, about 7,000 words and, and that is what I've done the last two weekends in uh, Charlotte at the NASCAR race and Dover at their NASCAR race. So what about any specific experiences? I, I know you, you know, you're very active on social media and you, you posted quite a bit while you were there. And I, I, I did see a few pictures of people who had, you know, kind of got emotional when they were there and touching the names of, of the, uh, maybe someone they knew. I mean, can you share any specific experiences that stood out at either place or both? Yeah, you know, it's, it's always, there's always so much emotion to it. You know, um, sometimes people know that I'm going to be there. It's rare, but sometimes, and you knew I was going to be there, and your sister, oddly enough, uh, was there. And and I met her. And that was, that was just a very unusual coincidence. Um, and, you know, and, and it was so nice to meet her and it was emotional, uh, for me to, to meet her. Um, uh, we didn't talk as long as, as, as I, I would have liked, but first and foremost, I, I enjoyed meeting your sister there and, and she came to the wall to, to pay her respects, uh, to your brother. And in, 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 in other cases, there were several, uh, emotional experiences. There was, uh, I was standing there at the wall in a, a woman pulled up in a, a golf cart and she pointed the wall instantly and said, that's my husband. And she jumped out of the cart, walked over to the wall and looked at the name of Master Sergeant Evander Andrews. Uh, he is the first name on the wall. Uh, he's the first casualty of Operation Enduring Freedom. And she just stood there looking at her, 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 her husband's name. He died right after September 11th. And I believe it was in Qatar or Qatar, however you say it. And uh, I didn't know the story. I had no idea the story, but I was always curious. I was always so curious about Master Sergeant Evander Andrews. And the reason I was curious is I knew the first death in the country was CIA agent Johnny Mike Spann. Yeah. But he's, he's number eight on the wall. So I always wondered, who were these other seven people? And she told me, you know, he was attached to the Operation Enduring Freedom, but it was actually in Qatar and – 
he uh, it was a an accident, you know, something fell on him, and um, that was emotional. And then she left, and she said, "I'm going to send my daughters over." And her daughters, who were 16 and 17, uh, or 17 and 18, who were his children, they came over. And it didn't really click in my head. You know, I'm talking to this 17-year-old girl, and, and it didn't really click in my head. Wait a minute. September 11th? That was 16 years ago. And I started looking at this girl, and she couldn't be much older than 16. And so I, I said to her, I said, how old were you? And she said, I was two, or I was almost two. So this girl who never met her dad, um, I mean, met her dad, but never knew her dad really, anything that she can remember, uh, looked at his name. We got her, my picture with her in front of the wall. And that was just, for me, that was just so hard. You know, I just said, I'm so sorry. And sorry doesn't say is not enough, but she's so mature. She said, well, sorry is all you can say. And, and it is enough. And, um, and that was one experience, you know, there was another experience where I was over kind of at my table doing some stuff and I'd stepped away from the wall. I'd, I'd left, I have a chair. I, write on right sit on when i write and i had i left that chair and i was doing some stuff and then i turned back around to walk to my chair and there was somebody sitting in my chair and i looked at him and it was a you know probably about a 30 year old guy with one his left hand on the wall touching a name and his right hand was covering his eyes and he was just in tears touching the name of his friend or his brother or who knows who it was but that's the experience most people have. Most people go to the NASCAR track to see a race or the concert or wherever I'm at. They're not expecting anything, and they walk by the wall and see it and just come break down in tears. So how do you do that when you've got all these interruptions and here you are pulling these names from memory? Does that screw you up at all? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, not at all. Um uh, and, and you would think it would, but um, it doesn't. And uh, because it's, it would be like this: if you were writing in, writing uh, numbers on a wall, one to one to a thousand, and then you got to seven hundred and eighty-two, and you, I mean, you know, seven eighty-three is next, seven eighty-four is next, seven eighty-five is next. Seven, I mean, you know it. And at 782, somebody walked up to you and you had a conversation, and then they left. You would turn back around to the, the your board, your writing, or whatever, and you would see, okay, I stopped at 782. The next one's 783. So it's it's, and I hate to oversimplify it, but it's really as simple as that. Because you just know it that well. Yeah, I do. I do. Wow. I, I spent one year memorizing it. Wow. So what kind of emotional toll does it take on you? Uh, just when you do, when you do it, you know, whatever event it is, you know, it does, it really does. And I did not, that was something I didn't expect when I set out with this goal. I, I didn't know what to expect for a year. I carried this black book around me with the names in it and people would say, what's in the book. And I would tell them and they would say, Oh wow, where are you going to do it? And I'd say, I don't know. And they'd say, what are you going to write it on? And I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> I just know I'm going to do it. And I know it's going to come together. But I had no idea of the emotional toll it, it, it takes on you. You know, I, and what I mean by that is, is it, you're carrying, 
one of the greatest lessons I learned from this wall is whenever I do it, every time I've done it, and I've done it over 25 times, every time I've done it, somebody will walk by the wall. They'll say, what is that? I will tell them. And within 10 seconds, their eyes are filled with tears. And they're like, oh, my God, my son's on that wall. My brother's on that wall. My wife is on that wall. My daughter's on that wall. And it's happened every time. And their eyes are instantly filled with tears. And it just hit me. You know what? I've done this at NASCAR races, country music concerts, uh, this middle of a town, whatever. And these people are here anyways. These people who are carrying this pain around with them every single day are all around me. And I had no idea until I did this wall. And I say that to say this. And because of that, it's become a great responsibility for me to handle it in the right way and with the proper care. And so it does take an emotional toll on you, um, but it's one I'm glad to carry and uh, it's an honor and I, I, a quick story. You know, I did the wall the first time in 2013 and the a woman was a massage therapist and her son was on the wall and she wanted to show me how much she appreciated it. So she invited me over to uh, her business, which is also her home and gave me a massage. And then after the massage, she took me to her son's bedroom, Austin Staggs. And I was just, I was, I was looking at Austin's room. He's, he's on my wall and I was looking at his, everything he had left before he was deployed. And I just, I started crying. (laughs) It was just, it was so, so, so overwhelming. Yeah. I can imagine, you know, when I participate in different events, it it can, it's the, it wears you out. Uh, And, you know, we, I had, um, I had a man on here, Pastor Mike Dillman, who has a the largest Memorial Day event on the West Coast, possibly in the country, out in the uh, kind of in the Bay Area, Central Valley. It's kind of odd. It's not far from San Francisco, but it's a very patriotic and conservative area, and the, where they're at. And so he, they have this 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 wall up as well, and it's for Iraq and Afghanistan. So it's got it's got about what almost seven thousand names on it, and they have these panels that are backlit. Um, so when one panel gets full, they add a second panel. So they've got several panels. My brother is is the large image on one of those panels. But they travel around, and, and he said he was out there guarding the wall one night because they don't. They always watch it when it's up on display. And a young man comes up, and he's a big boy, and he said, um, "I'm looking for." And he gave him a name, and and so Mike Dillman showed him where it was, and the boy just kind of got their emotional. So Mike said, you know, you look like, how did you know him? He said, well, I went to high school with him and he was, I picked on him and he was just a, you know, a little, uh, a little runt and everybody picked on him. And now that little, that little boy is, you know, my hero. And, you know, the, so that big boy had a lot of guilt and he just, and had a lot of emotion at that moment. So, you know, Mike left him alone for a while. So I can, you know, that, your, the experiences you've seen with those people is common, you know, with other, with other, uh, I guess, memorials that are similar to yours. I, I can't imagine. I mean, you've gotten help. Can you talk about what kind of help you've gotten? Because this is, it's a pretty big deal when you talk about logistically moving that thing and then setting it up and taking it down. How do you do it? And who has come out of the woodworks to help you? 
Well, you know, it is a big deal. I mean, and that's something else I didn't anticipate was the logistics of it. You know, it's it's a 52-foot-long wall. It goes in a, a, a big trailer. I, I pull around, and um, it's, uh, you know, setting it up and taking it down is tough. Uh, it, it really is. And, and uh, I've done it a few times by myself, but it's definitely not recommended. Um but you know, over the years, the, for the first year, I, I actually paid my cousin to to work for me, doing it, traveling around. And then after the first year, I was like, man, I just can't afford to give my cousin a job <laughs> on something that is is not generating income. Mm-hmm. So I uh, just made a decision to rely on volunteers. And and what I will do is I'll just you know tell people, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to this city. Who lives here? Who wants to help? And it is the response is overwhelming. You know, people really want to. Uh, some of them ha- have served in the military, and and so they feel a connection there. Some of them knew people who served, uh, and others um, they didn't serve, and they feel this is their way of of contributing in a way. Um, a lot of companies have not. No, 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 no. Not a lot of companies. Very few companies have stood up to sponsor the wall, but. Uh, a, there was a Century 21 here in Dallas, uh, Century 21 Mike Bowman. Uh, he he paid for a lot of my expenses of this last trip. And American Airlines has a military charity called the Air Power Foundation. And the Air Power Foundation has made two uh, big donations. They are the single biggest supporter of the wall. But I re- So I rely on stuff like that, but I also rely on just people saying, hey, you know, how can I help you? And um, – People will will come out. They'll help me set up the wall. You know, I, the, I'll be I'll be setting up the wall sometimes, and sometimes I'll set up the sign first of what the wall is, and people will walk by. They'll read the sign, then they'll look at me setting it up by myself, and they'll be <laughs> like, "Do you need help?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, I do." Uh, the first day, I, the first time I did it, 2013, I started writing at 7:30 in the morning. And I had not anticipated it getting dark before I was finished, but it was winter time and it was getting dark early and it was probably about 5.30 and it was starting to get dark. And I was so focused on the wall, I had no idea of the conversations going on behind me. But my friends and family and the pe- people gathered around watching it, they were whispering, you know, what's he going to do if it gets dark? Is he going to be able to see blah, blah, blah? And I was just intent. I was riding. But there was a man in the crowd. And he asked that question to my uh, family. What's he going to do if it if it if it gets if it gets dark? And they said, "We don't know. We haven't planned for that yet." He said, "All right, I'll be back." Forty-five minutes later, a man pulls up with these industrial construction uh, lights, like you see on the freeway when they're doing construction at two in the morning. Oh yeah, those are those are potent. <laughs> I mean, and he had these set up, ready to go, and I was oblivious. I had no idea. I went ahead and wrote. I finished before it got dark. They were never needed. I didn't know until the next day somebody told me the story. But, you know, I mean, that, that's I – know, I don't know who that is, but I do know that's a man who makes things happen. And when he saw the wall, he wanted to participate, and, and stuff like that happens all the time. It's amazing how many great people there are out there that want to help, and and I mean, here you are doing something so selfless and actually just, I mean, incredible. And then uh, I'm glad some people step up and, and help you out because I thought about that when I knew you were going to to Charlotte. Um, you know, Ron, a fr- my good friend Derek, told me you know he met you and and told you about my brother, and you kind of uh, 
finished his sentence and said, yeah, you, you know, you knew who Mark was and you, you kind of finished his name and the date he was killed and his rank. Um, you, you, you had shared with me recently how you were going to, you wanted to study up on some of the, those killed in action. And so you kind of, you went to military times, I think, and randomly picked a date and up popped my brother. Is that right? Yeah, so what happened was in 2011, I set out to memorize everybody who died on September 11th. And there's about 3,000 of them. And I memorized the first 2,500. And I was, the plan was to write it out on September 11th. And I got to number 2,500 and I thought, you know what? I'm going to start researching these people and get to know them. Maybe it'll help me with my memory. And so I opened up my laptop, did a search, and I found a little girl that was on one of the airplanes. She was five years old, and she was going to Disney World for the first time, or Disneyland, one of the two. And she was just so excited about it, going to Disneyland, and she's five years old, and she was on one of the planes, that that uh, and she died. And I was at a restaurant when I read that, and I just – it hit me. It was so emotional for me. I just got so torn up about it, I, and I closed my laptop. And I could not go back to the names. I could not memorize them. It was just so emotional for me. I, I really, I really let that story get in my head. And then September 11th came and passed. And so I didn't do it. I failed. So when I started doing the Afghanistan memory wall, I purposefully did not engage in the stories of who they were. I just focused on the task of memory. But in the past couple months, I've wanted to get to know some of the, some of the guys and the ladies. And I have over the last few years, but about Two months ago, I guess you could say, maybe maybe six weeks ago or a month ago, I was like, you know what? I I want to read about somebody. I want to get to know somebody on this wall. So I went to militarytimes.com. I typed in a random date because it has everybody listed by date. I typed in a random date, and senior airman Mark Forrester popped up. And I just got goosebumps. I was like, oh, my God. If if there's if there's ever a message that I need to do this podcast, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I've been putting this podcast off, and I'm I need to take this serious. <laughs> I'm not a mathematician, but there's 2,300, and, and I went straight to your brother's name randomly. Yeah, oh, that's incredible. Um, and you mentioned Mike Spann earlier. His dad, I interviewed his dad, and he's we had a two part. Um, interview here too as well so in in my catalog i got uh johnny span on here who's his father that, that was that was very informative uh okay so there's a lot more i want to talk about uh is there anything about the the memory wall that you'd like to share before maybe we switch to a different topic no man you know i mean i i i, I want you know i this is your podcast and it's it's a story you've told a, a lot but one time one day i would like to hear a little bit about mark's story to be honest with you sure sure i can i can definitely help you out there um i'll, I'll send you some info or if we've got time at the end i'll tell you then if that's all right ron that's great all right so <clears throat> I, I watched you on TV. It was a rerun, but I saw it several months ago, and I think it was on Superhuman on Fox. Is that what the TV show was? And you Let, were just crazy on there. Tell me what I was doing, and I'll tell you what, show, what it was. All right, so you were, I guess they kind of, you know, lightly called you a pickup artist, but you had to go talk to these, these girls. In a, it was like a bar setting, and you yeah. had to get their name, their phone number, and a 
you know, a random, some kind of fact about them and in a certain period of time. And then Mike Tyson was one of the judges. And then after it was over, they randomly selected a girl and you had to go up and repeat, repeat the information you learned about her. Yeah, that was a, that was, that was, you're right. That was superhuman with a Cal Penn and Mike Tyson. And uh, that's it. It was 15 girls, uh, 15 names, 15 facts, and 15 10-digit phone numbers, so a 150-digit number. And uh, that was that was a month worth of training for that show for me, and uh, put my heart and soul into it, and uh, it was a ton of fun. And you did it. I mean, I you, did. It. I nailed it. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> and that's all I cared about, really. I just it blew me away. Here you are, especially repeating the phone numbers, and those you know area code and everything, right? That was that was just so insane. Um, what, what, what all kind of, did y'all hang out any after that or were, were the judges or anybody else blown away? Well, I would have loved to have hung out with the 15, uh, models afterwards. Uh, but, uh, that would have been great, but that didn't happen. They did friend request me on Facebook, a couple (laughs) of them. So I, I feel lucky about that, but. I would have loved also to hang out with Mike Tyson. You know, I'm, I do uh, jujitsu and Muay Thai. And so he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's obviously excelled in boxing more than just about anybody in the world. So that would have been awesome. I regret at least not asking him, Hey, Mike, can I get my picture with you? That's, that's, that's honestly, there's, I have two regrets from that show in no specific order. Number one, that I didn't ask Mike Tyson if I could get a selfie. Number two, that I didn't win the $100,000 prize. <laughs> and if I won the $100,000 prize, I would probably forget about the selfie. <laughs> so what, why didn't you? Did somebody else do better? Or I, I didn't I didn't see why you didn't win the prize. Well, it's hard to say if anybody did better. And, and um, it, it's, just, it's just the way it all played out. Uh, oddly enough, the guy who won is one of my students. Uh, five years ago, he came to me not knowing anything, and I taught him how to memorize uh and uh, he ended up winning the show. You know, it's it's in it, and, and good good for him. You know, he nailed the challenge. Uh, I think it was a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him they gave him a hundred names, but uh, they gave him four hours to memorize it backstage. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that, but uh, anyways, I, I shouldn't. But anyways, uh, so he uh, but he's a great guy, uh, and he nailed it, and uh, it was a great show, and it was fun to be on. So what about your, when did you get into this, the memory training, and and how beneficial was it, or was it, you know, when you were in school, taking tests, and that kind of thing? Or did this come after? Um, the, I learned memory training uh, when I was 18 years old, and I was a struggling college student. Uh, when I was in high school, I did fairly well in school, but um, when I got to college, I didn't, and, because I just wasn't interested in college to be honest with you uh or i wasn't i don't know if that's the right word i love to learn i mean learning is one of my favorite things to do so i don't i wasn't i I was just preoccupied 18 year old kid but i um i learned memory training when i was in college and i applied it to college and it made a dramatic difference on what i was able to remember uh, then when I joined the Navy in 2002 at the age of 28, I had to go through a lot of schools and training, and it really helped me in my schools and, and my materials. So it, it, memory training has helped me a lot in the last 26 years. I can't imagine me wanting to learn something new and not relying on the memory skills. I really can't. 
Yeah, is it, is it something where you are you to the point now where you still have to consciously kind of visualize or kind of put it in the bank or whatever, or can you hear things now and just you know you pretty much have it? Well, you always have to consciously apply. In other words, I can't. If I walk into a room and somebody says something to me and I'm not trying to memorize it, and three weeks later, they're like, hey, Ron, what did I tell you that day? And I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, oh, I thought you were the memory expert. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> like, it's like throwing a baseball at Derek Jeter and it hits him in the side of the head because he's not looking. And they're like, hey, I thought you were Derek Jeter. Um, you have to <laughs> consciously say, hey, I want to memorize this. Um, but it gets easier and it does get more of a habit, but you're always going to have to say, Hey, I want to memorize this. Now there is a little bit of an exception here to remember something. You need to create a picture for it. So to remember a name, you got to turn it into a picture. Brian's a brain. Steve's a stove. Lisa's the bone. Lisa, Karen is a carrot. Uh, Matt is a doormat. So when I hear names, I am kind of unconsciously turning it into a picture, I guess, and seeing it, um, so there is a little bit of that in play, I guess you could say, but for the most part, it's conscious. So what would you, what would your picture be for Thad? I knew you were going to ask that. Or question. would you have to see me to, you know, to figure well, it out? Well, no, to turn the name Thad, I knew you were going to ask that question, and I knew, and uh, to turn the name Thad into a picture, uh, I don't currently have one, and I, and so let me think, because you're, it's a very unique name, Thad. Man, that's a tough one. I might use something like a, a hat. <laughs> and, and, you know, that doesn't sound exactly like fad hat, but it does kind of – but for me, T and D are interchangeable in, in my brain. Uh -huh. So when I'm seeing hat, hat I'm actually seeing H-A-T or H-A-D. So that's my gut instinct on that one, what I would go with. But – uh, and then if I did see you in person, which I'm looking at your face here on this Skype picture, uh, I might attach a hat to your eyes or your eyebrows or your chin. It looks like you got a distinctive chin there, so I might imagine a hat hanging off of your chin. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, Ron, I've tried all kinds of things. You know, I've I have consciously uh, worked on my memory. You know, very limited in a very limited way, but since I was probably 20, 19 or 20 years old. And, uh, so the past 20 years, 20 or 21 years, and it's just been such a difficult thing for me. And I try to, you know, and I, I'm, I'm in the business world. I meet people all the time and I, I try to put a picture. I try to put some, say a rhyme or something in my head. I always repeat their name and, you know, probably about only 10 or 20% of the time does it actually work for me. <laughs> It's, so anyway, I don't know how much progress I've made, but I've read so much about it. And you know, I even somehow randomly got some other guys on his emailing list and he starts sending me how to memorize things. And um, But I'm like, well, I, I know you do that. So what, what, do you, what is your business that you do for, for memory training? Well, my business primarily has uh, two, two parts. The first part of it is, is I speak at conferences and conventions. Uh, I give a, a one hour keynote on how a better memory is going to increase your business. You know, if, if it's a, a conference with two or three hundred or two or three thousand, 
I'll memorize two or three hundred names in the audience. And when I get up on stage, I'll say, hey, if I've met you, stand up. Two hundred people will stand up. And then I'll just run through the audience and I'll repeat all two or three hundred people. It takes about seven or eight minutes. It's very fun. It's like a Vegas show. A matter of fact, I've been asked to do it as a Vegas show. And um, uh, and then I'll memorize a 50-digit number, say it forwards and backwards that the group creates and, and I never see. And then I'll spend that. That's about up to about minute 17, 18. And then the next 45 minutes, I teach them how a better memory is going to help them in business and give them the skills to do that. And then the second phase of my business is I just sell on. I sell online memory courses. And uh, and so selling courses online and, and, and speaking at conferences is is my business. Well, okay. I, I highly recommend them, I, and I want the listeners to. I'll have your um, website and all your social and everything on the show notes, so people can check you out. And because one thing I wanted, I would love for people to go check out your courses and your uh, videos. You have a ton of videos on YouTube. Is that right? I've seen a lot of them. I think. Yeah, I do. I do. And um, also, be great if people volunteered when you you know when you're in town again for the Afghanistan Memory Wall and. Um, so what about, what about the speed at which you or, you know, me or anyone kind of recalls a memory from our heads? Is there, a, is there a trick to that or is it still, is there no really secret to how quick you can kind of sort through and, and recall a, uh, some data? Well, you are going to, uh, be able to recall information, uh, quicker based on how it's stored. So, Here's what I mean by that. Number one, if you use a memory system to store it, which is what I use, you're going to be able – and I'll give you a a tip on how to do that in a second. If you use a memory system, you'll be able to recall the data correctly because it was stored properly. Um, Here's the analogy. If you you get all the files out of your file cabinet and you throw them on the floor of the room and you do that for two years – and then in a year, you go back to that room to get one of the files. It might take you hours to sort through the data to find it. In other words, it's not going to be quick. But if it was in a file cabinet, it would be quick because you stored it properly. Your brain works the same way. Well, I'll go ahead and give you a tip on what I mean by storing it properly right now. When we started this podcast, you said, Ron, are you in your mind palace right now? And that is what I refer to my memory system, and it's not a term I came up with. It's been around a couple hundred years. Essentially, it's this. I've memorized a map of my house, my desk, my TV, my stove, my refrigerator, my front door. I have them numbered. I have 50 spots numbered in my house. When I want to memorize data, I turn it into a picture, and I visualize it on one of those spots. So if I store data properly that way, I can retrieve it fast later. If I don't, if I just throw it on the floor of my brain, I can't retrieve it fast. Another way of that determines the speed at which you retrieve data is maybe you don't have a memory system. Maybe you've never taken memory training in your life. But I say, where were you on September 11th? Boom, you tell me instantly with no thought. Why? Action and emotion, an emotional experience will cement something in your memory and you'll be able to retrieve it quicker later. That's the reason you can remember a car accident for 30 years. Interesting. Okay. So what is, what's coming up next for you? Is there a season two of, of Superhuman or some other? Because you've been on I mean, other shows too. So kind of what's on the horizon for you? Um, what's on the horizon for me? Um, I'm, I'm 
you know, in a boring sense, the next two or three weeks, I'm just optimizing my websites and getting all that set up. But I think the the biggest thing for me that's on the horizon is I want to do what you have already done, and that is write a book telling the stories of the Afghanistan war, which you, you've done that uh, with your book. Um, I've written books before, but I want to write a book, uh, and the ti- here's the title of the book, Afghanistan Wall. So it's going to be a book telling the process of memorizing the wall, telling the process I went through, the idea, the inspiration for the wall. But that's probably only going to be 15% of it. 85% of it will be telling stories like Mark's, which I want to use you as a resource for. Uh, and that is my next big project that I hope to start on July 1st. Great. Yeah, that'll, that'll be very unique. Um, so it's kind of a twofold thing, right? I guess you can, you're teaching memory and you're also honoring the memory of thousands of others. It is. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep the book, you know, um, uh, uh, I'm going to keep the book 85% focused on the memory of the guys and the ladies who, who lost their life in Afghanistan. And I would say maybe 1% of the book will be teaching how I did it. I just don't want to make it a memory training book. I think the, the, the stories of Mark Forrester and Johnny Mike Spann are so powerful. I don't want to dilute it by teaching how to memorize. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Ron, what what impact has the Afghanistan memory wall had on you? Well, it's it's made me a better person in a lot of ways. You know, I I this is this is something that I uh, have only told maybe th- four or five people, but uh, now I'll tell you. And if you promise not to share the podcast, we'll be fine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I hope you share, uh, and I'll share it as well. Um, but uh, I, my original intention with the walls, I was going through a really hard time in in, uh, in 2011. Just personally, had gone through a relationship breakup and just struggling really. And I thought, you know what? I want to turn my focus from myself to others. And I thought I'm going to focus on the heroes from Afghanistan, not. I knew it would help me, but I didn't know how much it would help me. And it, it really did. Turning my focus to, to, to them, it's, it's changed me. It's made me a better person. It's made me realize, and we all know life is temporary, but I, and, I, and, we, and we all know it, but I think we, nobody really ever grasps it intellectually. And I'm not saying I fully have, but I think this has helped me get closer to realizing how precious life is. But it's also helped me get gotten closer to realize the selflessness of so many people. I, Tom Brokaw called World War II generation the greatest generation, and I'm not going to argue with him. And I think today sometimes we think this modern generation is so selfish and and uh, it just you know a bunch of kids who don't know the value of hard work or whatever. And we got to realize that most of these who signed up signed up after September 11th. And most of them were under 40 years old. So it, it just gave me a lot of faith in this current generation that we have of how of, of, of how many selfless people we have. And so it's changed me in a lot of ways. It's inspired me to be more selfless, more less self – you know what I'm trying to say, less selfish. 
more selfless and the, reminded me of the preciousness and the briefness of life. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And, and two, I guess it's it, it's impacted you maybe at different times where he's like, hey, there's a story behind some behind this name. There's a family. There's there's uh, people who love this person, and you know, there's a story about behind why they died, why they joined, and that kind of I guess makes it a little more personal to you as well. Because, you know, a lot of, most of them, I guess, you're not going to know all that information until you write the book. Yeah, man. I mean, no, that's absolutely right. It's absolutely 100% uh, dead on. Um, you know, er, er, every, er, every experience is different. Every time I do the wall is different. Every time I'll hear a different story. And um, it's, it's, that's absolutely right. Well, how about we play a little game? You want okay. to do it? I, okay. All right. So let's. Uh, I've been looking forward to this too, you know, because you 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 talk. Of course, I've seen you in action, but for the listeners who haven't seen you, I just want like them to get a get a little small glimpse of your some of your superpowers. And okay. uh, so I've got I've got random numbers here. They're all two digits. They're all um, no ten to forty nine is the would be the numbers randomly. And I don't know. Let's see. I don't know how many you want to do. You want to do like twenty. Um, can I call out 20, 20 two digit two numbers? Sure, man. And you know, I, I, and I'll go de- decently, at a decently good pace here, and that might might mean I might miss one or two. But who cares? Uh, I'll try to get a hundred percent correct. And just say, just say it this way: say two digits or a two digit number, and pause. And once I say, okay, got it, then you can go to the next one. Okay. So do you want me to, to say the number like eighteen or say one eight? Uh, either way, I, okay. probably 18 is, is better. Okay. All right, I'm ready if you are. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, 19. Okay, got it. 37. Okay, got it. 25. Okay, got it. 18. Okay, got it. 32. Okay, got it. 24. All right, uh, got it. 46. Okay, got it. 41. All right, got it. 34. Okay, got it. 47. Okay, uh, got it. 33. All right, got it. 43. Okay, got it. 34. Okay. Uh, got it. 16. Uh, got it. 25. Okay. 10. Uh, my gosh. Uh, 16, 20. Okay. Got it. 42. All right. Got it. 48. Okay. Got it. 15. All right. 42. Okay. 
All right. That's 40 digits. Okay. Um, And I don't know how well I'm going to do here, but I think I'll do pretty good. Let me pause, and I'm just kind of – Talking to myself here, but I'm as I'm talking to you, what I'm doing is taking a moment to review to figure out how well I know this. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this. Hang on one second. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, uh, so that number, I believe, and I will say it as single digits. It's just how I like to do it. Okay. Uh, one nine three seven uh two five one eight three two two four uh four six four one three four four seven three three four three three four and then uh one six two five one zero four two four eight one five four two. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, now I, I can't see you, but I'm, I I know you didn't write anything down. So you know I knew I knew that, that I I used to, I used to do a ton of radio shows, uh, and and uh, I did about maybe 150 over the phone, and that became the biggest the biggest issue, and and I do it so much in person. And if anybody sees me do it in person, they know there's no doubt that I can do it. Oh yeah, uh, but. Um, maybe we should have done the video for no, that. no. Listen, I, I, I'll actually, I don't want to sound uh, ask the same questions everybody else does. So I was just getting around with you, but that, no, that's no. that's amazing. That because I, yeah, I know you didn't write it down. I mean, I've I've seen you do this kind of stuff too many times now on TV or on your videos, and, or with with Hooters waitresses and <laughs> <That's> whoever. <right. laughs> You know, one thing I will say on that topic, though, it's such a great, and I'm glad, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's something a lot of your listeners were going to be thinking at the back of their head. And so here's something that a, a, a way that I want to answer that, and it, it's a really important point actually. If people knew how simple it was to memorize a forty, fifty, or a hundred digit number, they would be like, "Oh yeah, no big deal. Yeah, it's pretty simple because it really, really is." But because so few people know how to do this, they think it must not be real. And that, to me, uh, is just more motivation for me to keep going and keep teaching this because it's it, the, the way we as humans, the way we learn is really so inefficient. If we knew how easy stuff like that was, um, we would really just blow ourselves away. Everybody would. <laughs> well, you blow me away, that's for sure. When you when I was calling out these numbers, were you always were you going through the list in order? So when I say eighteen, were you in your head repeating the previous numbers already again every time in order, or or were you Uh, just saying eight, you know, putting eighteen somewhere in a file? What I always like to do is I always like to review the one before. So uh, you say eighteen. It was was, that was the fourth pair of numbers you you gave me. Mm -hmm. So I cemented it in the fourth piece of furniture in my house essentially but before i said okay got it i had reviewed the one previous which was 25 so i was uh, before i moved to the next the next number i always reviewed the one before but i rarely did i go back more than just one once before okay Wow, that's incredible. So, what else do you want to share, Ron? Anything else about your with your your courses or any tips? Maybe maybe a, a tip for us for listening. I mean, for remembering or um, 
anything else coming up before we kind of wrap it up? Well, my, my tips are, 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 are pretty much this. Number one, um, however, whatever the capability you think your memory is at right now, you're wrong. I don't care what you, unless, unless you are exposed to memory training and you compete in memory tournaments, then you probably have a glimpse. But if you're the normal average person, if, if I said, do you think, how many numbers could you memorize in a sequence? Whatever your answer is, most likely you were so far off base. You're probably, most people could memorize 10 to 20 times more data than they think they could. They just don't know how. So number one, my message, your memory's much better than you think it is. Number two, uh, think in pictures. You know, see pictures for names. Steve's a stove. Lisa's the Mona Lisa. Karen is a carrot. Brian is a brain. Um, number three, try to store stuff in pieces of furniture in your house and see if it works. Uh, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that is the system I use. And then finally, my final tip is good nutrition and exercise does play a role in memory. I do not drink alcohol if I have a memory speech to give the next day. Uh, and actually, I don't drink alcohol hardly at all, but especially if I have to give a speech the next day because good nutrition and exercise really affects your brain. That makes, now that makes sense. And, you, and you're doing a lot of jiu-jitsu, and what else are you doing? Well, I do jiu-jitsu primarily. I did Muay Thai for about a year, which is kickboxing. But uh, I'm a 44-year-old man, and I learned that uh, I don't like getting kicked in the face. So I quit Muay Thai. <laughs> well, you, you, uh, I think you're taking care of yourself. You kind of you share about the weight you've lost over the last few years, and you know, you're pretty good, good-natured about that. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I did. I told you I went through a hard time in 2011, and and I got up to 225 pounds of pure fat. Um, and you know, I'm 5'10", and uh, I started jujitsu, and I, I got down to 188. Uh, I'm probably up to 194 right now, but I'm I'm happy there. And so, yeah, I've I've definitely lost about 30 pounds, and um, uh, I exercise number one just to be healthy, but number two for my brain. Well, I hope this isn't a common question, but it probably is. Uh, what what's have you found any specific food or drink that, that helps your memory more so than others? As far as the brain goes, the foods go. A uh, good nutrition and exercise. One of the things, the best things you can do is just drinking plenty of water. A dehydrated brain can't focus. So water, but uh, there are also foods that are high in antioxidants, so that's going to help your memory. And that would be stuff like spinach and blueberries. Um, Another thing is the old fish, uh, the omega. So I take omega-3 fish oil pills because I'm allergic to fish. I take a pill every single day. So omega-3s, drinking plenty of water, spinach, blueberries uh, are probably my top favorite brain foods. There's uh, one more, and I like this for the simple taste of it, but it is a brain food. Turmeric, which is found in curry. I love curry, and curry is a great brain food because it has turmeric in it. Okay. I believe I saw, I was looking at the ingredients in Organifi, and I believe it's got that in there, too. I saw that today, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, Drew Cannoli. I know that product. Okay. Yeah, I, I've seen some other products that, that promote. I've actually looked into, uh, shoot, it's one of those that Mark Devine promotes. I just forgot the name of it, but it's uh, something for your memory as well. Okay. 
So, Ron, will you clarify what what world records, or maybe it's it's national records, have you held or do you hold? Yeah, so that's a good point. Um, I it's it's good that you made the distinction because everybody always says world, and it is national. So thank you for that distinction. Uh, I. I uh, was the two-time USA memory champion. I was the national champion in 2009 and 10. And in the process of, of becoming the national champion, I set the record for the fastest to memorize a deck of cards. Um, there's a real book that's popular out there called Moonwalking with Einstein by a guy named Josh Fower. Uh-huh. Have you heard of that book? I have. I sure have. Yeah, so he's a friend of mine. In that book, he – he 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 set a record by memorizing a deck of cards in a minute and 40 seconds. Well, that's the record I broke. I broke Joshua Fowler's record for the fastest to memorize a deck of cards. I did it in a minute and 27 seconds. Uh, that record stood for two years. And then a freak of nature came along. Uh, the current record is 19 seconds. So oh, I, I'm done. I ain't getting that record back. Uh, the second record that I... Uh, uh, set was I memorized a 167 digit number in five minutes. Uh, that was also a USA record. And, um, uh, that record stood for maybe a year. Uh, the current USA record is, is like 500 digits now. So basically I hate all these new guys who come along. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't, they're friends of mine and, and uh, they're great at what they do. And, and I cheer them on. Uh, but those are the two records I had at one point. I think I held the record for the, the 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 uh, there's a world championships and at the world championships I memorized I don't even remember it was like 40 digits spoken one second apart and that was a record for an American it was the American record but I'm not even sure about that I, I never got it. I don't know. but the, the two that I, I know of are, are cards in 167 digits okay man yeah yeah you know what you, you there's so much more we could talk about but we'll we'll save that for another time so. This has been uh, a real joy to me, man. I, I've I, I haven't been let down. I've looked forward to it. Uh, you're you you you're. I kind of I call you crazy because you just have a great sense of humor and you you kind of say uh, just all kinds of random stuff on your your Facebook page and right. uh, I don't know, just just kind of funny to follow you. And uh, but you're also you know very you know incredible with your with your strength healer here of uh, memorization and uh, motivation as well. So. I thank you for for coming on. Thank you for honoring those who have given all, and also thank you for serving our country as well. I I, I didn't ask you uh, any more details about your service in the Navy, but um, it, it is appreciated. And you deployed to Afghanistan. Was it Afghanistan or Iraq? You deployed Afghanistan. Yeah, right. So uh, I, I certainly thank you for being willing to do that. No, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And just yesterday, my girlfriend texted me back, and she's like, "You," she said, "Exactly what you said. You," she said, "You are so crazy. If I didn't like you so much, uh, I would not be dating you." <laughs> so you got you you picked up on something very intuitive there. You're right. <laughs> well, I mean, I watched you memorize the serial number from a dollar bill on the uh, from random people, and they happen to be females, which I, I think there's a pattern with you there. On right. the streets of New York, I think, and and uh, so uh, I know you said you weren't necessarily you didn't choose the the term pickup artist at all, but some people kind of say that <laughs> call you that, but you definitely could use your strength to your advantage, no doubt. Right. 
anything in closing, Ron, or, or where you want me to direct uh, people to, to find out more about you and for your, your courses? Well, uh, nothing in closing. Just thank you for having me on, you know, and to all the people listening, I hope they practice and, and improve their memory. If they did want to find me online, uh, my website is ronwhitetraining.com, ronwhitetraining.com. I also have one, brain athlete, like brain in your head, brainathlete.com. Uh, but just thank you for having me on, and I'm so glad we actually made this happen, and, and, uh, when I randomly looked at uh, Mark's name uh, a month ago, I was like, man, we need to make this happen. Well, I thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, man. Thank you.